Hello, Baggies fans. Welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast. I'm Johnny Drury, and this week I'm alongside, well, no one, unfortunately. Coxie is making his way back to the UK following his honeymoon um, as we speak. And unfortunately, we've got no one to fill the chair today, unfortunately. However, fear not, because I've got you guys at home and I've got a long list of questions that you've sent in on Twitter, or X, as they uh, annoyingly call it these days. And we're going to do a bit of a mailbag episode. We're going to go through your questions, answer them in depth, chat all things Albion, and we'll give a bit of a nod towards Preston away on Saturday as well. What a big game that is turning out to be. So, without further ado, let's go straight into the questions. We've got some fantastic ones today, to be fair. We've got some who've never sent them in before. We've got some some baggies broadcast regulars as well are covering a range of topics. Um, so I'm going to start. Well, I'm going to start with this one because it's not a question; it's a statement. Andy Dickens, will you hurry up and get Coxie back? It's all gone wrong since he went off. Let's be honest; it has to be fair. I know he was here for the uh, Huddersfield debacle when we got war knocked, but the last three games, three draws. Come on, Coxie. Hopefully, if he returns on Saturday and we win, then we know that he's not allowed any more time off for the rest of the season or the the rest of his time covering Albion. Um, so yeah, bring back Coxie. We're trying, Andy. We're trying. He'll be back very, very soon. He'll certainly be back, be back for Deepdale on Sunday. Right, so I'm going to go to Lee Southall, a uh, regular listener to the podcast. I know CC uh, says we are not going to entertain the free market, but do you think we may need to, especially if uh, Brandon Tomasante gets injured, even if it's for a short term? It's a very good question, Lee, but I think he's been quite clear on that, hasn't he, Carlos Corbran, saying that we're not going to go into the free market like we did last year. I think a lot of it's going to come down, you know, to finances. You know, the best free agents, as we saw last year, cost money. The likes of Jed Wallace and John Swift. And I know we signed them in the window. Um, so they weren't ones, you know, we look at the nod to the likes of Eric Peters and Tom Rogic, who came in after the window last year. Um, so I don't think we're going to go into the the free market. But it it is very interesting. I, I personally would like to see Albion go in there. But like we said, it all it all boils down to finances, really. Um, there are other options which we're going to talk about um, in terms of, you know, there's players that are in and around, you know, players who, are, who will probably have to play in different positions if, you know, Touchwood, we don't get a, well, Touchwood, we don't get an injury to, to Brandon Thomas Asante um, because we really can't afford it at the moment. But I just can't see a world where Albion shift into the free market. Who knows? We saw this talk of a takeover yesterday, promising talks that Mark Mars was talking about um, in the minutes that come out from Action for Albion. It was great to see them putting more information out yesterday. You know, if a takeover happens, maybe we we might see some free agents. But at the moment, I just can't see it happening, even in the in the short term. Uh, Sonil Patel, another regular listener to the podcast. Can you see a shift to a back four soon? Wallace, Grady and Phillips are all natural wide men as opposed to inverted wingers. Swift and Sarmiento are also better as number 10. Also better as number 10. I think that's a question, question mark. Does 4-2-3-1 put our players in more natural positions than a four? A three-four-three. Three. It's a very good question. Um, it's probably only one that Carlos Corbran can definitely ask, but it wouldn't surprise me. He shifted position uh, formations a number of times, um, and I would potentially like to see Alvin in a back in a back four. Um, I think there are pitfalls and there are positives um, to a back four. I think at the moment, what a back three does is one that probably protects those that are in it. I. Uh, for the for example, sorry, the likes of Cedric Kipper, I think he plays better in a back three. Um, if it's in a back four, who plays in the middle? But I can see, a, you know, it, it probably would be a four-two-three-one. I'd love to see Albion play a. a I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to see Albion play two up front 
with a system that kind of worked. I can't see it happening at the moment. We've only got one to play up there, haven't we? But a four-two-three-one probably does is the most natural shift, really. If we do go to a back four, I can't see it being anything else. Um, and like you said, you know, Wallace, Dean Garner, and Phillips are, are all natural wide men. Um, I don't think it'll happen maybe soon. I can see it happening. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened, but I just can't see it anytime soon. Corbrand's, you know, he's playing a certain way now. But, and, and let's be honest, it hasn't been a complete, it hasn't been a fa- We're not talking about a failure in this system at the moment because Albion have done okay, you know, but they have just done okay. They, could they be doing better in a with a back four in a different formation? That's, you know, you're in the world of hypothetical talk there. Um, but I can see it happening. And if it was to happen, I, you know, I think it's going to be Furlong or or, or Pipper or Pipper, however we pronounce it. You know, Townsend as a left back, and and then you're probably looking at. I think Carl Bartley would play better in a two. Um, you're probably looking at Bartley and and Ajayi or Kipra. I don't think Peters would play in a back two, although he did very well in the back two last season at times. But I can't see happening anytime soon. Um, but it is a possibility, you know, absolutely. Um, Tonky Towers has got in touch with a, a question. It was really good to see Moat back on Saturday uh, and playing really well. I'd love to see him retain his place. Question is, will CC see the lights and select it? Cheers, Johnny. Great question, uh, Tonky Towers. If anyone sort of listened to my solo video on Saturday after the, the draw with Millwall or, or read my bite-sized baggies piece um, on the Express and Star, this is something I really wax lyrical about. I was, I was delighted not only to see... Alex Mowat starting on Saturday. I was delighted to see how well he played. I thought he was Albion's best player by a country mile. Um, he was fantastic. He played what he brings you, Alex Mowat. One, I think the Alex Mowat we saw on Saturday compared to what we saw maybe under Valerian Ishmael, more he's more mobile. Um, I think he looks fitter. I think he did pick up an injury towards the end of that Val Bruce, you know, half and half season before he went out on loan. And obviously, you didn't see anything last season, but. I just think he he gives you something that maybe certainly Malumbi doesn't bring. You know, Yukushlu can bring it. You know, Malushu can Yukushlu can carry the ball. Sorry, tripping over my words there. Yukushlu can carry the ball forward. You know, and he can pick a pass. We haven't seen it this season. He's been off the boil. But Moat, you know, if it needs playing back and square, he will. But if there is a forward pass that can break the lines, he will play it. Whereas Malumbi's a lot more conservative. That's probably his nature. That the way he plays, probably the way he's told to play. Um, but Moat can pick that pass. He can burst forward. You know, he's got quality. We saw, you know, he was, you know, he was a gnat's length from from it cannoning in and off the underside of the, the bar the other day with his free kick. He's got that. We've seen him, you know, score goals in that first season. Blackburn, Cardiff, spring to mind. I think he scored one against Bournemouth or Fulham as well later on in the season. Um, so he's got that. And he just gives you something different. Whether he can play with Malumbi. Um, as a two, I'm not too sure whether he can play with Yukushlu, who he plays better with. You'd probably argue, arguably say he plays better with Malumbi because Malumbi can do a lot more running. You know, I don't think Yukushlu is really fully fit at the moment, which is a concern. Um, but it'd be interesting. I really hope he does retain his place at, at, at Preston because Preston have been very hard to beat. They've been very, you know, they've been very clinical on the break, but they're hard. Above anything, they are hard to beat. They are a very, very well drilled team under Ryan Lowe. And Albion are going to need you know, the Swifts and the Moets and, you know, maybe, you know, Diangana, Sarmiento, those who can produce little nuggets of quality play. And I think Moet could be really key Preston on on Saturday. Whether he picks him, I don't know. I'd love to see him retain his place. I'm in the same position as you, Tonky Sowers. I'd really like to see that. Um, David DK 
Jed Wallace at right wing back. It's the wing backs that seem to be getting the crosses in, and Wallace isn't shy in the tackle. It's a very, it's a very very good point to be honest, um, David DK. And it, when when you read that on paper, I'd be surprised if it hasn't been considered by Carlos Corbran given that he sees the versatility of these players. We've only got to look at Matt Phillips to see how many positions he's played this season uh, and positions he's played other players in. And I think he he could really he could really do a job there, I think. He's got the he's got the energy, he can track, you know, like you say, he's not shy in a tackle. And like we said, Furlong, because of the way Wallace has been playing as, you know, for want of a better phrase, as we hear these days, inverted wingers, he has Furlong has got on the overlap so many times, certainly at home as well. Um, and that might it might be an option. It gives him another option, certainly, doesn't it, Carlos Corbran? Um, whether we'll see it, I'm not too sure. I don't think we probably will, but the option is certainly there. Um, Chris Washbrook. Um, I think this is related to Grady Dean Garner because the picture I put out with the questions um, on X or Twitter, I'm just going to call it Twitter, on Twitter um, was about Grady Dean Garner. Um, thing is, he was at his best when he had a player like Pereira to bounce off. Would like to see Grady and Sarmiento play closer to each other. Um, Patet, yeah, possibly. I think Mateus Pereira probably made a lot of championship players look very, very good that season. He also made a lot of championship players look very, very average on other teams. Um, yeah, that that is a really good point. You know, he played his best football on the Pereira. He showed flashes in the Premier League, didn't he, when Pereira had a fantastic season in the Premier League, despite Albion being relegated. Um I would like to see Grady and Samianto playing closer to, to each other. Yeah, yeah, that is that is an option. I think we spoke about this, didn't we, after the game on Saturday, um, or I did, and I spoke with some fans and speaking with my colleagues in the media. Um, I think we all had to, or, or those calling for Samianto, maybe not had to, you know, have a slice of humble pie, but just had to sort of tone it down after Saturday because we probably saw why Jeremy Samianto hasn't been. Not trusted, but he hasn't been thrown in from the start. This is a this is a young lad who's played a very very limited amount of football. Who's come in after an injury as well, so Albion have had to nurse that. Just want to just go out have a look at his sort of statistics and the games that he's played. You know, if we look at he's played, he played 14 games for Brighton. You know, in total now he's played eight games for West Brom, including substitute appearances. Um, that's in senior football. Uh, he's got 13 caps for Ecuador, so you know we can't name a senior football. However. You know, we saw a little bit of naivety from it. So a lot of it eager to please. Um, and I don't want to put him in the ball, same ballpark as Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, but if you can cast your mind back to when Ronaldo came to Man United, you know, there's a lot of step overs, a lot of tricks um, and a lot of performances that didn't really cut it because there was that eagerness to please. And I think that was from Sarmiento. And you can't blame him. He's been he's probably been chomping at a bit to, you know, get involved from the start since he came to Albion. He was given it on Saturday. And I thought... What he does well in certain areas, he drags Albion up the pitch because he can just glide past players. It's just that little bit of end product, but he's a very, very young player still. He's a very young player. But it's an interesting point, Chris. Grady and Sarmiento, they're almost very similar players. I think Sarmiento's probably got more pace, but they sort of glide past players, you know, deft touches and that. Um, I think it'd be interesting. When we see a fully a fully flying Grady and a fully flying Jeremy Sarmiento playing together, I think that, you know, I'm not saying Sarmiento is going to be Pereira Mark II, but he can certainly be a, a, a quality player for Albion. Um, West Ham 13, sticking with the Grady Diangana chat. Um, like Slim Shady, will the real Grady Diangana ever stand up again? Flashes of it on Saturday, 
And I think we could all do with him regaining form. Lovely player in there. Absolutely. I think we saw, I think the, the real Dean Garner probably sort of half stood up on Saturday. I thought he was, I thought he was exceptional at times. Really, really good. You know, seen that clip. if anyone's on uh, TikTok or social media, if they just saw uh, the clip Albion put out about Dean Garner, he just ghosted past two players, didn't he? He sort of took them one way, went the other. They were sort of standing there looking looking square in the face of fans in the East stand, wondering where the ball had gone. Um, and he, he did show show real flashes. He is, you know, a, f- a fully firing Grady Dean Garner is arguably one of the best playmakers or creative players in the division. You know, he probably he probably is right up there, you know. At full full tilt, he's probably the best, you know, if we cast our mind back to that form in the Slavin Bilic season. Um, and I know we can't always keep going back to that. He's got to reproduce it at some point or or get close to it. But he he is, you know, he's quality. And, and there, are, there probably are a lot of mitigating circumstances over the last few years as to why he hasn't... Um, why he hasn't brought that form back, you know. Steve Bruce got probably got the best out of him early last season. You know, I know the results weren't going well, but Dean Garner was playing really, really well. Um, he's, he seems like he's very much a confidence player, you know, an arm around the shoulder player. Um, whether that's what Corbrand's doing with him at the moment, we don't know. But I'm, I'm really hopeful. I'm really hopeful. It, it, it is only hope. And I think his quality is underlined by the fact that there was interest in him in the summer. Whether there was bids, we don't know. You know, there may well have been bids. We didn't know there was a bid for Jed Wallace until a few weeks ago when it transpired that Middlesbrough had come in for him. Um, but whether he, the bids were put in, we don't know. But we know there was firm interest there because he's still a quality player. And, you know, his his return in terms of goals since that, that first campaign haven't, you know, lived up to it. But he is, I really hope the real Graded Ingala does stand up. I just want to just want to go back from his... From his low, he had that loan spell. Then he scored eight goals in 31 games for Albion since then. One in 21, two in 42, and four in 31 last season. Um, so hopefully, like you said, that we can really start to see, you know, the best of him again because it's going to be, uh, it's, it's it, Albion can have a really potent front line. You know, when you get great, when you get DK fit and get Madger fit, and then you've got Sami Ento fire and you've got Wallace Phillips. You know, it's still an exciting front line, despite all the doom and gloom sort of surrounding Albion at the moment. Right, let's go to another question. Uh, Dickos, Dickos, Dickos. I think the name is. Uh, where's Ken? Uh, I don't know, unfortunately. Um, although we did hear from Mark Miles yesterday that he's very much working day to day in the running of the football club. Um, so he's working in the best interest of the football club. I'm sure uh, sure supporters will have their views on that statement. But Mark Mars is now working alongside um, Zuki Ken in the in the sale of the football potential sale of the club, which we heard a lot about yesterday. That there's there's um, encouraging conversations going on with several parties. Um, but Mark Mars is now working alongside Ken with that, which I think will be something that Albion fans will be. Delighted to hear about. Um, WBA analysis. What's our best defence? Why does CC prefer Eric Peters to Conor Townsend? Could we see more involvement of Kyle Bartley moving forward? And how does Pippa fit into the team? Very, very interesting question there from WBA analysis. And it's interesting what he's got a lot of trust in Eric Peters. I think Eric Peters is a very, very clever footballer. You know, the fact that he's the age years and he's played a lot, so many games for Albion when he was virtually, you know, not at the end, but he, he was without a club last season. Um, he's done very well. I think Eric Peters is probably a better player on the ball than Conor Townsend, but I think Conor Townsend isn't, I don't think Alvin's seen the best of him playing in the back three. Whereas Eric Peters, 
and a left back who you want to bomb up and down, his days are probably gone. You know, his legs his legs aren't gone, but his days of doing that are probably gone. Connor Tang's ends better as a as a left back or as a as a as a left wing back. Um in terms of best defence, I think the involvement of Kyle Bartley moving forward is an interesting point. And I think it shows that Corbran will very much go horses for courses in the teams that he's facing. It wouldn't surprise me if Bartley starts again against Preston, given that, you know, Preston can Preston are a strong, physical, you know, solid team who are going to provide an aerial threat. Um, and that's why that's why, from what we can understand, Bartley played on Saturday. Um, because he's, you know, he's not head and kick centre half. That's that's doing him a you know not doing him justice but he's very much his game is different to Cedric Kipra's although you know pretty strong in attack of Cedric Kipra and he likes to take risks as we saw against Watford with that uh, that smashing tackle in the box um, just on on the other one how does Pippa fit into this from what we understand from Pippa he's a very attacking fullback um, we spoke with the, the guys at Huddersfield when they come down obviously Pippa was at Huddersfield um, under Corbran and, uh, and something that they've said he's very much an attacking you know, fall back. I think one thing that is interesting, whether it's down to fitness or not, I'm not too sure. The fact that he's not playing. Um, I don't think Daniel Furlong's had a bad season so far, but I think that maybe Pippa coming in has, has maybe ignited him a little bit. You know, although we have seen individual errors, I thought it was his fault for the first goal at Watford. Um, it'd be interesting to see. I think Pippa will be given his chance at some point. Um, whether he's just there as backup, I, d- I don't know. You know, he obviously is providing that at the moment, but I think we will see him at some point. Uh, but I think that'll be very much horses for courses in terms of when he plays, who against, you know, the opposition. Whether he'll start, I don't think he'll start at Preston on Saturday. Um, but it'd be good to see him because, from what we're told, attacking-wise, he's very, very good. Um, and that's going to provide Albion with another attacking option, uh, as we've explained already. There's There's plenty of them in the squad at the moment. Um, but cheers for your questions, uh, guys, on those ones. Uh, we got one from Jess Ackroyd got on Pepper, actually. Is Pepper fit? Is that why we've not seen him yet? I'm not so sure. You know, that's something we don't really know an awful lot about. I, mean, I don't think Carl has really said an awful lot about Pepper um, so far. But, you know, it's one of them. Hopefully we see him in the, in the coming uh, coming weeks, really. Um, just want to talk about um, play, people we play up, up front. Simon Hevigan's got in touch with a question. Who do you think Carlos will play up front to give BTA a game break? Um, it's interesting, Simon, and I'm going to talk through this now and talk hypothetically. You know, if we did lose, you know, Touchwood, as I did before, we're not going to lose Brandon Tomasante, but Touchwood, if, you know, hopefully we don't, who who would we, you know, who'd we play up there? I think at the moment, given the options that he's got in the squad, for me, the only option really, he's, or the only options he's got to play as a, as a nine uh, Wallace and Phillips. We saw he, he thought about playing Wallace up there as a nine. We've seen Phillips play as a nine and he's done okay. So I think that's okay. Wallace is a nine. I'm not so sure. Um, but I think if Thomas Asante was one to have a break, I think Albion would have to play as a two or one off a two. You know, whether it's, for example, Phillips and, and Swift just in behind or Wallace and Swift just in behind or even you know, Phillips and Sarmiento, for example, we've heard that he can play as a, as a 10. I think there are little combinations that Corbrand can, you know, can explore if he wants to give Brandon Thomas-Sante a break. At the moment, I think Brandon Thomas-Sante is going to play most games. But what that runs the risk of is him burning out um, because there are no other options up there. We've talked, you know, about 
Albion are not going going to go into the free agent market when you know if the funds were available, it would it would really help Albion. You know, you look the free agent market has sort of helped Albion in the past. Um, sure, it helped them last season with the likes of Eric Peters at one end. You know, you could argue the previous season it helped them with Andy Carroll. You know, I know he didn't score a bucket load of goals and didn't set the world alight, but he 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 plugged a hole um, to some extent. Um, and Albion have picked up good free agents in the past, but that's we, we know that's not going to happen. In terms of if you know if Albion were unfortunate to get an injury to Brandon Thomas Santé, I think the one thing you'd, you'd have to look at straight away is recalling a couple of the strikers that are out on loan. You know we've got we've got Joe Malcolm um, who's out on loan at Cheltenham. Uh, Mo Fowl is at, at Doncaster where he seems to be doing really well. I watched him play Wrexham a couple of weeks ago and he scored in that game. Um, and you know, Carlin Grant's out on loan. I imagine there won't be met, won't be a recall option in Carlin Grant, or certainly not one until January, anyway. Um, but it'll just be about looking at those whether Albion can recall them. But you know, we're talking hypothetically there. That's not going to happen in the current situation. I think we've seen that. I think Carlos Corbran's happy with the the you know the backup options that he has um, got. It's just whether the other options that that are you know available to him. You know, we hear a lot of people talk about Reyes Cleary, don't we? Reyes Cleary is someone that's talked about an awful lot. Um, fans want to see him. We've seen him briefly, haven't we, in the in the um, in the first team. I think he played against Sheffield United in the League Cup last season. I think he played against Derby. Um, there's been a couple of others, but he's he's not he's obviously not ready at the moment. Um, I think he's still injured at the moment. He's obviously not ready. He's got something because we've we've seen glimpses of him. Um, but I just don't think he is going to be, you know, the answer at the moment. The other loan here I want to talk about is Ray Tullock. Um, he's off at, at Bradford uh, at the moment. Um, probably his last chance to leave West Brom. You know, I think unless he unless he goes and scores a bucket load of goals at Bradford, it's very unlikely he's going to return. But you know, he's another option if Albion did need to recall anyone. Um, whether he would. He he could potentially um, potentially return. He scored I think he scored for Bradford in a, a recent clash with uh, with Newport. That bodes well. Um, I think he's got five or so appearances under his belt at the moment up at Bradford with Mark Hughes. So he's another one to keep an eye on. But in terms of of those options, Simon, I think you know Phillips is probably the only option you can play as a nine on his own. I think after that you've got to be looking at playing either a two, you know. Be interested to see sort of a, a Wallace and Swift front two for Albion, um, but I think that's what it's boiled down to, you know. Or even looking at playing a ten really close to a centre forward, almost just off. I think that's the only real option he's got. I don't think we'll quite see that. Uh, we might see Tom Santley coming off earlier in some games, um, but that's got to be managed. And I'm sure it's something that's really bugging Corbran at the moment. You know, something that he's really got to look at and and consider um, because. You know, Brandon Thomas Santé is going to need a, a little bit of a rest at some point. Um, but we'll wait and see. Simon, thank you very much for your question. Really, uh, really interesting one there. Uh, the last Blair right? Um, what constitutes underachievement from this squad and manager? Allowing for all the off-field challenges is merely staying up good enough, taking into account wages and expectation from the likes of Wallace Swift, OK, etc. Um, merely staying up isn't good enough, I don't think, with this squad. And I think... Everyone really knows that. I think that's that's pretty obvious. Um, I think the lowest, if Albion finished 12th, it'd be a disappointing, 12-13, disappointing campaign. You know, underachievement, maybe slightly. 
think anything below that is definitely an underachievement. I think top 10 is an achievement. And then I would say getting into the playoffs is an exceptional achievement. And when you look at Albion's squad, really, a manager said the other day, oh, Albion's squad's littered with former Premier League players. Sorry, it wasn't a manager. It was a co-commentator on a club channel. It's not because of where Albion are. But what Albion, I think what Albion have at the moment is, is a good 11. But what they don't have now, which means that expectations are shifting, they don't have a, a squad. They don't have a massive you know, squad where they can, they can bring on players um, to change games. That's been the case in, in all of the last sort of however many seasons uh, when Albion have, have been promoted. You know, if you look at the squad that was at the disposal of Slavon Bilic, for example. Um, you've got, you know, Johnston. What was the lineup? Johnston, Furlong, Gibbs, you know, Bartley, Ajayi, Livermore, uh, Pereira, Dean Garner, uh, who played up front that season, Charlie Austin or, or Robson Carney. But if I just read through the names you've got there, you know, players that haven't been mentioned, Philip Kravinovic could come on and change a game. Uh, Matty Phillips, Chris Brunt, you know, second half of the season, Camel Grzyk, Ruzicki did do fantastically well, but he did okay. Raheem Harper was played 13 games that season. Gareth Barry, I know he didn't play a lot of football. I think very early on he played six games. Romain Sawyer's, you know, he, he was a regular. Um, Ahmed Aghazi played 18 games that season. Dara was there. Um, Nathan Ferguson played a lot of football that season. Callum Robinson as well. So that, you know, and we go back even further, Arvin have probably got even more sort of, not bloated squads, but inflated with quality. Um there was there was a lot of quality in the in the in the teams that got promoted in the in the years before that. Um, you know, Roberto Di Matteo, Tony Mowbray, they were squad games. Alvin at the moment, they don't have a massive squad. You go outside of that, you go outside of that eleven or the quality of that eleven, and it's not it's not massive. You know, there's not a lot there, and I think that's why the expectation has has gone down. Uh, taking into account wages and expectations, I don't really, without when it comes to Alvin, I don't really take into account wages. You know, in terms of expectations, yeah, if you pay players more money, you expect them to do better. But look at what Alvin have paid out in the past to mediocre players. I'm not saying that's the case with the current squad, but it's hard to gauge with Albion um, because they've put, you know, probably average players on inflated salary in the past. So I don't really look at, at wages. But I would say, you know, an underachievement is anything sort of 13th or below for me. Um, I think that is an underachievement, really. Despite the fact that I think the top of the championships is very strong this year. I think that would be an underachievement. I think Carlos Colbrand would probably see a bottom half finish as an underachievement, to be honest. You know, he sets high standards at Albion. You know, he, he as Matt, I think Matt Phillips said a few weeks ago in, a, in an interview, they're all looking at the playoffs. They believe they can get in the playoffs. And Albion can get, I think they can get in the playoffs. But what it boils down to now is not, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion. It boils down to keeping the squad that is fit now, fit. Um, bringing those players back into the fold, them having an impact. And I'll be not losing any players in January, you know, because that's the worry now with the with the, the take. You know, I know there's talks of a takeover, but if it doesn't happen by January, what happens now? What happens then? You know, we've heard last summer that Albion were probably going to have to sell to bring players in. You know, in the end, it didn't that happen on the scale that we all thought it would. If that happens in January, then I think the expectation is probably lower again. Um, and we can, you know, come back to us with that question, you know, in on February the first, given what's happened in the January window. But I think. That is a that is is what it is what it boils down to. I think anything below thirteenth is an underachievement. 
I think what Albion fan, fans are, f- are probably finding really, really difficult at the moment is dropping those expectations. It is hard I th- because, you know, we see, you know, we we see comments from people on social media and, and certain people, not got agendas, but, you know, against certain players or managers or manager or whatever. And it's because they they want that player or that manager to produce, you know, what, Tony Mowbray did, what Roberto Di Matteo did, you know, what Gary Megson did, if we're going to go back that far. We all want that, but the variables have changed with what Albion are working with. And I think but Albion fans are finding that hard to, to not accept, but I think because we've been programmed for so long now, you know, certainly my generation, you know, my generation of Albion fans, I'm, I'm 29, going to be 13 in February. You know, the first, the first sort of season I can remember was the playoff defeat to Bolton under, under Megson. Um, Megson's first full season uh, after that every season is either in a promotion a loss in the playoffs or relegation or survival in the Premier League so I've had it pretty good as an Albion fan and a lot of my generation have had it really really good and you know it was difficult to accept this season that expectations have lowered but you've got to I think we've got to do it and that's it's not having a detrimental effect I, th- I think it's just that expectations ha- haven't lowered for a lot of Albion fans and we all want we all want there to be you know ambition of course there is you know as we said there Matt Phillips spoke earlier in the uh, earlier in the season about having that you know eye on the playoffs um, and I, I had a really interesting question from or a, an observation from an Albion fan a few weeks ago who said yeah we you know Albion have got um, we're saying that the expectations lowered but look what Luton did last season you know, with arguably a worse squad than Alvin have got at the moment. It, and it's a valid point. But I think with the likes of Luton, and we've seen it before, you know, Huddersfield, for example, when they went up to the Premier League, I think they're sort of one-off seasons where they're riding on the crest of a wave and they get a bit of momentum. I think Albion's situation maybe is slightly different to that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, the last player, right, in a very long-winded way, um, I would say underachievement's probably 13th, 14th or below. I think anything above that... Anything between 14th and 10th is sort of, um, you know, a B in terms of, or what is it now, a 2, is it, in terms of GCSEs or school marks? And anything above that, I think, you know, 10th to 6th, good season. Um, you know, anything above that, playoffs or, you know, automatic promotion. <laughs> I say that in a in a roundabout way, um, is, a, is a very, very good achievement for this uh, for this squad and for, for Carlos Corbran, I think, in the current current situation there we go thank you very much for your questions baggies fans really enjoyed that episode just uh chewing the fat with with those uh queries that have come in talking about a various various different topics um hopefully next week uh well he will be back next week cox will be back you've got you can ask him some questions ask him some uh, honeymoon related questions some wedding related questions and hopefully some preston win related questions as albion head to deepdale on on sun, uh, Saturday, even sorry, Saturday to face a uh, high flying press. And just going to bring you a quick advert before we leave. We've uh, I almost forgot about the kettle and toaster man. Some great, fantastic products down there at the kettle and toaster man. Um, graded product specialist over there in Briley Hill. And uh, I'm just going to briefly mention some uh, some grooming products this week. Uh, a Remington Crafter beard kit, brand new, only. £30. We know everyone's really into to male facial grooming. Well, Albion fans will see sometimes on uh, on Baggy's broadcast videos. I'm not. I'm pretty lazy when I when I 
when I uh, go for a shave. I actually, I, the only time I ever cut the beard now is I let the, uh, the hairdresser do it because I mess it up too much. And I'm not allowed to cut it all off. Otherwise, my girlfriend would leave me, she said. So um, I'm not someone who's going to buy these male grooming products, really. But um, you guys should because they've got a massive, good range of um, terrific products down there at the Cattle and Toaster Man. So head along to Briley Hill, uh, Thorns Road, their, uh, their shop there, just on the left-hand side. Or if you want to do it all from the comfort of your own sofa, um, head to cattleandtoasterman.co.uk. So as we said, pressing away this weekend. Uh, big game. A win would be massive. I saw the other day that Albion, I'm sure it's probably tweaked now, but Albion only four points off the playoffs. Um, and I know we're very, very early into the season, but uh, it's not all doom and gloom, is it? Um, but we'll be talking on a few other Albion-related topics. We've got a Baggies Broadcast fan chat show. It's been away for three weeks. It is back on Thursday. A couple of uh, returning guests and a new guest as well. We're going to talk about I think, two or three topics straight from the Baggies bag. We're going to be back next week. Coxie will be back. He'll be back in the chair. Um, we'll be recording um, on Monday because I'm going on holiday after um, the game on Tuesday. Um We'll also be bringing you a, a 10 to 15 minute interview with Brendan Batson, Baggy's legend, one of the three degrees. Um, he'll be joining us alongside Chris Lepkowski, who's just written uh, Brendan Batson's book, The Third Degree. Um, it's been serialised this week, actually, in the Express and Star. Very good story um, in today's about Ron Atkinson. If you want to uh, check that out, get your hands on a, a copy. The, uh, the details are in the story. Um, but they'll be with us next week to talk about the uh, the book and, and Brendan's career and uh, a few other topics. Might give him a throw a few questions out about the current crop as well so that's what to look forward to next week we'll be back on saturday with our fan videos as well um so do uh do tune in but until next time thank you very much for listening a little bit of a um not as long episode this week um but we will be back at the full hour next week coxie returns hopefully brings the goals hopefully brings a win thank you again for listening to the baggage broadcast and until next time boing boing <laughs>